Hi, welcome to Swordnut Radio. This episode is the fifth chapter in our fiction series, Warrior. This follows immediately after the events of Chapter 4, which is Episode 29 on our feed. Ellen slipped away as soon as she could, heading straight back to the room that was sealed off when some rich people altered their houses. She found the two young men chatting quietly and sharing jokes. Obviously, neither had noticed she was an hour overdue. Handing Stephen's belongings to him without comment, she turned to Nate. Having a nice time, she said. I know who wants us. The smile dropped slowly from Nate's face. He sat down cross-legged in the corner, looking into the middle distance for a moment, his head cocked in Ellen's direction, an expectant look on his face. Ellen let the silence hang until it became slightly uncomfortable. But I've no idea why. How can the others came back to the inn? Ellen told the two seated men. They went straight up to... She paused to look pointedly at the taller man. Uh, Stephen. Straight to Stephen's room. I think it's a fairly safe bet they roughed up the landlord. That's serious stuff, interjected Nate. Jeffers pays protection money to the Camley boys. Stephen was looking lost. Uh, Jeffers is the landlord. He pays a gang to stop the other gangs from doing precisely what they did tonight. There'll be blood over this. I sincerely doubt it, said Ellen, assuming the narrative. There's something very strange going on. The other two were quiet. I got into a house last month to suss the place out. There were some people in one of the larger rooms keeping fairly quiet, so I missed them at first. A light followed the man from a dark corner, its holder shrouded in darkness for a moment, then revealed as a large man whose face hid within the folds of a great hood. The large man set down his candle on the low table set between the only two chairs in the room. The man in front was slightly built, and wearing plain clothes of excellent fit. The smaller man sat in a high-backed chair, while the larger slowly went about the room, lighting several ensconced lanterns to add to the frail light of a lone candle in front of Makari. An unwavering and relaxed stare emanated from the man in the chair. Even though his head was bowed and a thick woolen hood blocked his view, Makari could feel that stare. There was a pointed cough from the seated man. He slid from the stool onto his knees, custom decreeing that the seated man be the highest in the room. Makari Kora, an apparently self-made man, leader of a powerful criminal gang, and a fairly successful tailor, owed this man respect. His gaze never left the floor, waiting for the seated man to speak first. The visit was unexpected, and the business urgent, so hopefully he would not insist on the full etiquette. The silence stretched on, becoming uncomfortable. Makari rolled his eyes as far as he could to see the seated man, without appearing to raise his head. He could only see his feet, clad in velvet house shoes. The seated man expelled a breath from his nostrils, almost a snort, carrying a hint of impatience. The right slipper tapped the floor once, and he stood. Oh, sit down, he said, going to the low cabinet set in the wall to Makari's right. Makari took the chair and put his hood back, still uncomfortable. The man opened a small rosewood box and rummaged around, picking out a single stick of licorice. He lowered himself heavily into the high-backed chair and sighed, chewing on the stick. I take it from the hour of your visit that you have bad news. Makari told him of Hack's activities that night. Pause followed. So we have another player now, said the man chewing the stick. It was not a question. 
We have to assume the girl will tell him what she saw, and so we must assume he is a threat. Makari was crestfallen. He did not like ordering killings. They were bad for business. The line of work he was in sometimes demanded that a person be removed, but it brought the city watch down on all the gangs. When a body turned up, one couldn't fart without having to bribe a watchman first. Killing Ellen would be difficult, but she was a freelancer, so no one would miss her. Killing her friend Nate would be a problem. He travelled in many circles in the city, and would be missed by those beyond and those above the law alike. The new one was a complete mystery, and that is what bothered Makari most of all. His death could upset no one or everyone. What a bloody mess. Makari, said the man in a brisk tone. The next time I see you, I want good news. He left the room without another word. The larger man came in and saw Makari to the door. The hooded man left Makari, going swiftly upstairs to a small room behind his own bedchamber. He took a small scrap of paper and wrote a short note. Prata et There are three. Everything is under control. That would be enough for now. No need to elaborate with troubling details. The strict code of honesty among brethren sometimes meant one had to be sparing with information. That is why I preferred messenger pigeons. Not a lot of room on the message strips. He opened the door to the private roof terrace where he kept the birds and sent one north with the message. He folded his arms tightly against the cold of the night. He was not dressed for being outside, but remained for a while. Staring out from under his hood into the middle distance. After a short pause, he turned and left the roof the door closing softly after him. Ellen eased her way through the back door. She had spent a couple of nights watching the house of a banker, long enough to notice the serving staff did not live on the premises, and left after the evening meal. Perfect. There would be no one sleeping in the kitchen at the back of the house. This was the part of the job she hated. You had to get in and look around before you boosted a place, get your exit worked out, plan the best time of day for the job, have your plan, your backup plan, and the emergency plan for when it all went wrong. But going in the first time, anything could happen. Ellen had spent the last two nights watching the house at night from a snicket across the street, and had made numerous passes by over the last month, catching glimpses of the eternal layout of the house. She was as prepared as she could be, but it was still not an ideal situation. She was dressed in the most ragged clothing she had. No weapons or some of the little surprises that had earned a reputation amongst the thieving community. Nothing to identify as anything but a poor street girl looking for food. It's not a perfect cover, as most people would still raise the hue and cry on some stranger in their home. But some would, and had, take pity, and let her go with some morsel of food. Once, she'd been caught in a baker's house, and walked out the following morning with a new skirt and a full belly. The thief put her ear to the kitchen door and waited. There were no sounds. She waited. The door opened and began to stick, a barely perceptible resistance that told her it would squeak. She paused, then pushed the door open quickly and stopped suddenly, avoiding the slow movements that would make the hinges cry out. She slid into the shadow three feet from the opening. She took stock. Ellen stood with her back to a wall to one side of the junction of two corridors, one running straight out from the kitchen and another at a right angle, leading to both sides of the house. The kitchen door was closed as silently as it opened. 
and Ellen made down the left branch of the corridor. The lower floor of the house was unoccupied. Two storerooms, a study, and several rooms she guessed were for entertaining or conducting business. No piles of money. Well, it didn't hurt to hope. The upper floor presented the usual problem. Stairs. Getting upstairs without a sound was harder than climbing up the side of the building and opening a window sometimes. People didn't expect you to come in through the window, so they wouldn't hear you. Just dismissed the creaking window pane and floorboards as the house settling or responding to the wind. Make a noise in the stairwell, however, and the soundest sleeper would be up and armed in seconds, especially if they were rich. Luckily, the stairs were not wide, and Ellen was able to get up by walking on the main supports on either side of the stairboards. Rich people could make their lives a lot more secure by constructing shoddy stairs and not oiling their window hinges. Never underestimate the stupidity of the rich, her father had often told her, but never count on it. Ellen stood in the master bedroom. There was no one here. The house was empty. She was confused. She went back downstairs to check, still being careful. No one. This was strange. Having watched the house all day, she knew the banker was in. She'd seen him enter, the light from what she now knew as his study lasting well into the night. He had not left. Well, best not waste the opportunity she thought, making a search of the study. She would search the main bedroom next and the storerooms last. No self-respecting rich person trusted the servants enough to put valuables in rooms they would use all day, but it didn't pay to leave stones unturned in this business. A close inspection of the desk revealed several places where small concealed drawers may be hidden, but all were empty. Skirting around some floorboards that looked a bit squeaky to the professional eye, she started to search the cabinet on the wall adjoining the door. She froze. A muffled sound had reached her ears. Speech. Could be someone outside. Could be the banker returning. Options. Window. Bugger. With nothing to reset the latch hook with, they would find it open and be suspicious. She waited, silent as the grave. Another few indistinguishable syllables throbbed in the room. It's close. Down. Ellen had not found a cellar. If they had a cellar, why would the storerooms be on the ground floor? It was rare in the extreme for any of the houses in this part of the city to have cellars. Something about the stone not being suitable. More noises. Ellen moved her head around to try and get a bearing on them. Floorboards. She crouched by the part of the floor that had seemed different and took a closer look, running her hand over them. Five short boards, butting up against the wall, were set ever so slightly higher than the rest. She pressed down. No movement. She tried further towards the wall. They moved slightly. It seemed as if all five boards were jointed together. Trapdoor. The boards moved of their own accord. Ellen started as a dwarven face poked out of the hole, illuminated from below by a candle. She seemed as startled as Ellen. As the shock faded from the woman's face, replaced by alarm, Ellen was already out of the door and running to the kitchen. The woman yelled something in a language the thief did not recognise. Sounds of scuffling and heavy feet followed. Ellen was out of the back door and into the yard. She leapt onto a barrel and pulled herself up onto the sloped shelf made by the narrowing of the stone chimney at the back of the kitchen. From there, she started up to the low roof. Glancing down, she saw two human men enter the yard and cast about. They were joined by an elven man, who turned and looked up. Shit! They almost never looked up. 
She had a chase on her hands. Just getting off the roof was tricky. One man had climbed up after her, while the others stayed on the ground, waiting for her to climb down. She scrabbled up the wall, having noted the best side for climbing during the previous days and nights watching the place. She ran a couple of paces, then turned, going quickly but quietly back to the edge. She arrived just as the man who had climbed after her poked his head above the eaves. She dropped and delivered a two-footed kick to his face, landing on her back. She flipped to her front and got to her feet in a flat-out sprint without looking back. Reaching the side of the house facing the street, she stopped at a place where she'd spotted loose wooden shingles and pried three free. Two broke in half. Perfect. As expected, the two people on the ground had come to the front, directed by her footfalls. She threw the shingles in rapid succession to the other side of the front face of the roof, each one further than the last. The men in the street followed the noise as Ellen checked the alley to the side of the house, hung from the eaves, and dropped into an empty water butt she had placed there three days ago. She hunkered down and waited, trying to stay focused on her surroundings, and not to think about why the elf who looked up and the man who followed her up on the roof were from two separate gangs, while one of the men on the ground was a noble. This story was written by Paul Bennett and Robert Sanderson and is copyright 2015. If you've got any comments, questions, feedback, get in touch with us at swordnutradio at gmail.com, that's swordnutradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter at swordnutradio. I'd like to remind people about the competition. If you've got your own stories, they don't have to be set in our world. They could be something that you've done completely on your own. They don't have to be set in this world. They don't have to be about our characters. Anything you've written will be fine. Or if you've got some art, again, it'd be nice if it was art about our story, but it doesn't have to be. It could be anything at all. If you've got some memes, if you've got some jokes, if you've got some fan fiction that you want to do, do it. And send it in to swordnutradio at gmail.com. That's swordnutradio at gmail.com. And you'll be entered into the competition for a chance to win some Swordnut swag. We haven't really figured out what it is yet, and we haven't figured out when the end date is, but it'll probably be sometime in spring 2016, or uh, maybe the end of winter 2016. We'll keep you posted. Send some stuff in, make us feel things, win some swag. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.